You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you. spoke to uh, Mark Abramson. So he's a dentist. He focuses on sleep apnea. Um, he also focuses on TMJ. TMJ is a major problem that affects a lot of people. Uh, it's pain in the jaw and headaches and all kinds of problems. So the interesting thing is that Mark uses a combination of therapies. So he won't just necessarily do surgery on you or give you muscle relaxers. He'll manipulate your head and your jaw and your cranium, much like a chiropractor or an osteopath would. I think he called it an osteopathic adjustment to try to relieve muscle tension and things like that. Uh, for TMJ, he also has a um, lint, he calls it, but it's a device I guess you'd insert in your mouth so that your jaw actuates in the right way um, and it relieves pain and a lot of TMJ issues. Then the other side of it, in sleep apnea, I didn't know that he developed two dental appliances that seem more sophisticated than just pulling your lower jaw forward to prevent apnea. Uh, one, I guess, pushes on a certain part of the inside of your mouth that uh, helps your nose open, which is pretty cool. And uh, there's another feature he described that uh, keeps your tongue doing something it's supposed to be doing. But uh, very interesting guy. I want to have him back and talk more about his oral appliances. So those are the uh, the takeaways from him as well. So this is uh, Richard Jacobs with uh, the Future Tech and Finding Genius podcast. I have Mark Abramson. Uh, he's a TMJ dentist and a sleep apnea dentist. So uh, Mark, thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and as I mentioned uh, offline, I've spoken to a lot of uh, people in the sleep apnea and snoring area, but TMJ, I guess that's the temporal mandibular joint. Uh, I've heard about TMJ pain, things like that, but I haven't really talked, uh, spoken to any dentists about it. So I guess uh, first, a little bit of background on yourself, like, you know, why are you a dentist and why these two focuses within dentistry? Okay, that's that's actually a pertinent question to my work. Um, well, I, I had a... Um, always an interest in, in healing and, and medicine. And uh, when I was a kid at 14 years old, I was hit by a car as a pedestrian. And um, out of that, uh, I actually created kind of a uh, life um, attitude and belief system from that experience that was very positive in nature, although the accident itself was, was quite intense. Um, uh, and uh I really kind of uh, saw the lifestyle of a physician and thought, I well, I want to be a, you know, let's be a dentist. And my brother 
older brother did that before me. So I kind of familiar pathway, but all through school, I had an idea that I wanted to do, you know, I, I had a sense that working with the body uh, as a whole, rather than being a simple dentist working with teeth. And so when I did my residency, I was very interested in things like meditation and, and natural healing. And I thought, saw that, you know, the way I was taught about pain, which was just basically writing prescription was not adequate. And I started looking for alternatives and feeling like uh, that I wanted to dedicate my life to that. So I started looking at things like acupuncture and osteopathic manipulation, cranial uh, therapy, um, trigger point, you know, the whole nervous system and then the mind body connection. So I, I really saw that working with cranial facial pain, which is kind of the broader subject, TM. J is the joint itself, but there's what we call TMD, which is temporomandibular disorders, which is a whole series of uh, interactions between the jaw and the brain and the muscles of the body. Uh, so uh, what I did is I put things together uh, in a way that I saw the tools that would help do the most effective treatment. And I dedicated myself to a non-drug approach. So if I couldn't make the system better and resolve the causes of pain, there's plenty of good prescribers in the world. Um, I kind of avoided the opioid epidemic that way too. Um, That's great. And, yeah. and uh, so basically what I saw is that the mouth and the jaw is uh, one of the main centers of growth and development, and it's also altered by all kinds of forces of life, uh, whether it's being a mouth breather, having improper tongue swallow, or um, orthodontics, which was actually uh, the way it was practiced and sometimes still is practiced, is uh, basically detrimental to your overall health. Get nice straight teeth, but you get a compromised airway and, and pressure in your jaw and uh, lack of tongue space and things like that. Sinuses closed down. So we used to extract teeth and close things down because we said there wasn't enough space. And now we get the, we are growing and taking over growth and supporting the healthy growth of kids, which is uh, important. And then uh, the airway, sleep, uh, is intimately interrelated with the, the mouth and the nose development, uh, facial development. And uh, so things that lead to compromise in breathing and, and therefore sleep uh, was part of that. And then um, I also, uh, bringing mindfulness into medicine, I founded Stanford's Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Clinic 25 years ago and, and teach uh, stress me uh, meditation at the medical school at Stanford. So basically, these are the pieces that I put together into a treatment program. And, uh, um, and you know, all we kind of, it's a, been an evolution uh, for, you know, 40 years, over 40 years. All right, well, let's talk about TMJ and TMD. What, how do uh, patients present to you, you know, what do they say is bothering them? And then, you know, what are some of the ways in which you can help them? Right. Well, uh, there's there's a couple of reasons that patients really are, are uh, most of the time, a, a lot of times patients have ear pain and they go to the ear doctor. It used to be that things were so separated in medicine, you, you almost had to convince physicians that headaches or ear symptoms were 
caused by the jaws, like the jaws of the dentist, and the, it's like not part of the body. But uh, nowadays, I get so many referrals from uh, ear, nose, and throat doctors because they look in the ear and there's nothing uh, there, and they do a hearing test or whatever they might do, and then they say, "Well, it's not your ear; it's your jaw." And so the jaw and the ear are conjoined twins. The inflammation of the jaw is. Uh, drains into the ear, the sensitivity of the jaw, which is very powerful. Nerves uh, are located primarily throughout the jaw joint, but primarily between the ear and the jaw. And uh, balance can be thrown off. People who have uh, balance problems can be because of the jaw, because neurologically it's in the same pathway as uh, your whole your spine uh, basically feeling through your body to feel your feet on the ground is on the same circuitry as the jaw. So um, there's so many interesting interrelationships. So people, headaches, um, clicking in the jaw is, is a, a common reason for concern. Um, and uh, so those are the reasons that people come in, mostly headaches, uh, ear pain, jaw pain, facial pain. So, all right, um, how can you tell that someone uh, has a TMJ? Like, like, all right, so let me back up. What causes uh, TMJ pain? You know, what's happening? Is the jaw just, I mean, the different tightness of muscles that are pulling the jaw and the whole face and contorting it and the skull? Or like, what, what's the underlying yeah. root of TMJ pain? Yeah, well, it's, it's not, contor there's no contortion there. Um, but it is muscle uh, there's two sources of pain. One's local pain, uh, which would be, you know, in the jaw, ear uh, area. There can be fullness problems with the eustachian tube uh, from the ear, um, ringing in the ear, or uh, headaches. So headaches or facial pain, uh, they come from muscles that are being overused, building up what are called trigger zones. And these trigger zones are areas of the muscles where you might touch and it would hurt but it also refers pain to other areas. So uh, often the headache and the, uh, is, is a referred pain. You might have a muscle uh, you know, in, in the neck, actually, that makes you have a, a headache in your forehead. And so referral is a kind of an interesting thing because where you're feeling the headache uh, is not where it's coming from. So that's part of practice is, is being a detective and figuring out where things are coming from. But so you have the muscle source, uh, you have direct um, jaw inflammation, and, and those are the two things that you kind of uh, really are working with. Well, how do these problems start, do you think? Is it because, uh, I mean, stress or someone literally sleeping on their side and their jaw gets pushed in a certain direction? Or is it the growth of their jaw as they as they age, that uh, you know, tends to favor one direction? Like, how, how do you think this happens? Uh, it's, it can happen many different ways. It could be uh, growth and development, that there's more stress in the system. The way that the jaw is supported by the teeth determines the pressure in the jaw uh, joint and therefore against those nerves. So if you have uh, a lack of, of proper dental alignment, that can eventually uh, wear out the joint and cause inflammation in the joint. Um, you can have a trauma, a sports injury or something that, that jars you and kind of tore the ligaments that hold the disc in place. Um, or you can have, you know, all the bumps and, and unknown things in life that generally, you know, type of thing that leads to neck and back pain and, and jaw pain. Okay. So what would be uh, some of the protocol and how you treat someone 
they've got this uh, consistent. Okay, so we evaluate the person, try to figure out what uh, what the triggers are, and usually we would make a lower splint that basically adds height to the back teeth and frees up the jaw to go to where it wants to be. So the the tightest the jaw is is when the teeth are fully together, and uh, when you add uh, a splint which snaps over a plastic that snaps on and off of the, the teeth in the lower arch uh, you are, you hit the plastic before you would hit your natural teeth and it's also a flat surface that just lets the jaw go to where it's really it's happiest and balanced so a lot of times the way our bite is is like having a shoe that's two sizes too small for our feet and we take the pressure off the ear and the jaw by freeing the jaw up with a splint. And then I do uh, hands-on manipulation, which is an osteopathic approach, sometimes called myofascial release, sometimes called cranial um, uh, uh, osteopathic manipulation. Uh, and and uh, that's probably the most important thing because I'm taking out and relieving the pressures that have built up over the years from wherever they came from and kind of real uh, uh, freeing up the nerves that have been uh, firing because of this pressure, and then um, doing injections of trigger points. So it's a, a weekly series. We call it you know, kind of a spa treatment because it's actually quite pleasant and relaxing uh, experience. And uh, so that's, that's my approach pretty much. And then if their symptoms are relieved and if they would go back to their old bite and it would basically set off the same condition, then we have to look at what we call phase two, which could be orthodontics, you know, Visalign orthodontics or something like that to get a better bite with better um, health for the, the uh, whole system. But what does the splint do? Does it just prevent the person from biting down and applying pressure at the end of the bite? Or does it alter the way they bite so that their jaw doesn't move in a in the same tract? Well, as I said, it, it frees up the jaw to go to where it wants. So basically, it's like a doorstop that stops the closure at, a, at an earlier point without um, making it hit a certain spot. So your teeth, the way your mountains and valleys hit in your teeth, direct the position forward or back of the jaw. And with a splint, you're stopping earlier and letting the jaw go, usually goes forward on its own, which relieves pressure in the ear. All right. Um, well, I'm trying to understand. It's just, I guess, it's a, you know, it's a, without, without well, a visual, well, it's a little were, bit difficult, but. Yeah. Well, if you were in my office, I have a real human skull <laughs> and okay. I show, and I show if you, you go online and you look, look up the TMJ, we can maybe make a link for people. Uh, and you see that the jaw is sitting in a, a fossa, a, a, a kind of a garage uh, that is right in front of the ear and the ear canal. And um, if the jaw, the head of the jaw, which is a ball and a rod, basically pushes back into that and squeezes those nerves, that's not good. And when it comes forward and opens space for the blood to flow through there and the nerves, then that relieves that pressure. So that's what a splint does, is it allows the, uh, that pressure to uh, get away from the ear. Okay. And, that, and that does a lot of things. <laughs> You know, it, it does a lot of different things when you do that. Well, okay, so it does a lot of different things. So it allows the jaw to move in a better way. Um, so with or without your physical manipulation, like what, what would someone experience merely if they had a splint only? Well, we 
we do a lot of patients from Kaiser Health System, and uh, they only let me do the splint. Um, and they pretty much uh, are very happy and, and, and feel a lot better. Their headaches go down significantly or go away. Their ear pangs away. Uh, sometimes uh, we've, we've actually had a lot of success with people having ringing in their ears or, or balance problems. So uh, it, it's a very sensitive system right there, uh, the ear and the jaw, because the temporal bone, which houses both the ear and the jaw, is central to a lot of different, uh, uh, the, the cranial system, the carotid artery and the jugular vein, um, a lot of uh, uh, different structures there that are, are um, part of the temporal bone. Okay. So in, oste in osteopathy, it's said that the temporal bone is directly connected to nine out of 12 of the cranial nerves. So there can be different ways it can impact uh, the cranial nerves. And if you don't do a splint, <clears throat> but you do the, uh, the manipulation alone, um, has that had much of an effect? Yeah, we can, you know, there's, what we're doing is, is basically we're, we're trying to make the system healthier. If somebody has a poor bite and the pressure from their jaw joint is, is physically uh, coming in their head and you just do manipulation, you're not going to get the, the full result because you haven't addressed the mechanical problem. It's like having a pebble in your shoe. If you don't take the pebble out, you're not going to, you know, massage isn't going to help the foot. Well, the manipulation, all right, so again, what, in your estimation, what is the root of the problem? The manipulation helps, the splint helps, but how do you train the jaw to move in the right way, I guess, on the regular, so that this doesn't happen again? Well, you're, we're kind of get. I feel like we're trying to get circular with our, our questions here. Um, okay. we're, I apologize. Yeah, my, my treatment is geared towards figuring out my, my skill is looking at evaluating people initially and knowing the components that they need and, and mm. prescribing those components for them. Um, if it's not like a cafeteria where you pick and choose, you know, if you right. need, if you need a splint, I'm going to say, I'm going to play doctor and say, you know, you really need this. And, you know, you, you always have the option, but informed consent is, is going to be, you know, my job is to educate you on what I think will be most effective. Um, and so there, there's, you know, pain is multi-directional stress, you know, somebody's stressed and uh, that aggravates anything that's going on. So you can have a physical problem that's aggravated by stress. Um, you have, uh, you know, uh, multi-directional uh, input that tax you in different ways. It can tax you physically, it can tax you mentally and emotionally, and it can tax you, you know, through your nervous system. So my job is, is to have the tools to direct people, whether I do it or not, or refer them that we're going to, you know, help them where they're needed. Mm. Well, what kind of uh, people tend to have TMJ problems? Does it affect people of a certain age or more women or men more? I mean, well, the, it actually, to... yeah, it actually affects women more. Uh, probably about 80%. Uh, they have looser ligaments, number one, plus what was recently discovered. So in the old days, we used to use this derogatory term that I used to hear in medicine, which really uh, I didn't like at all, uh, was it's histrionic women. I mean, that's, you know, it's just all in their heads. Uh, it turns out that the pain receptors are estrogenic receptors and women uh, experience this type of pain much more significantly and severely than men do. So they're having, because of their biology, 
and, and their estrogen receptors, they're having um, much more inflammation and much more pain in, in the same condition. Plus, they're they're looser ligament-wise, which their disc and their t- tissue uh, can can be less stable. So um, that's the main thing, and it. It happens as people get older, you know, having this, if, if you live with this for so long and you suffer for so, so long, the only good news is that your body's remodeling and gradually kind of creates arthritic changes that relieve the pressure in the bone. They're not healthy, but it does relieve the pressure in the bone. So younger, younger people uh, and women are, are the uh, most prominent uh, people that will... Uh, be seeing this and it's kind of like the other part of my practice which is sleep apnea is like a greater percentage of men so and it kind of balances out the the practice yeah how long have people had uh pain or problems before they come to see you on average well everybody's different that way some people come right away and they're they're proactive and some people put up with it until it's uh i can't take it anymore oh i didn't know if on average it's years or people are pretty quick to take care of it but I guess you're saying it's just variable depending on the person. Well, the the biggest issue actually is that people are running around to different doctors, neurologists, the NT doctors, um, you know, they're, they're internists and not getting directed correctly, you know, to begin with. Um, so that's, that's really, you know, part of it is the person recognizing within themselves seeking help <clears throat> and the helpers being able to be directive. And the problem is, is that I usually, We'll see patients after they've literally run through the, the medical system through you know various specialists had all had all these you know have uh, some of them come in they've had you know MR, MRIs and CTs and um, you know hearing tests and you know it's like the the medical resources that could have been saved by recognizing this right away to me is often kind of wishful thinking and that it could be, be- uh, could be better. Yeah. Uh, do people think that a, a dentist would handle this kind of thing or like what would be their go-to thought process or, you know, a primary well, care physician, would they think it's a dentist that can help? Well, if it's their jaw joint, they might think of their dentist or they're seeing their dentist more regularly, their physician often, and they can mention that and the dentist, you know, makes a referral or, or dresses it themselves, tries to dress it themselves. Um, but a lot of times the, as I said, the, um, it depends on their complaint, but they, they're, it's kind of, when you go into medicine, it's let's rule this out. So they're ruling out, you know, brain tumors and all kinds of other things. Uh, and, and, you know, at the very end, then they might say, oh, it's not any of these, then, you know, then it's your jaw. So it's just the medical system itself could be uh, more efficient. I guess that makes sense. And then, um, you know, if we can just briefly just touch on apnea, um, do you typically see patients and then they end up with an oral appliance or you know, yes, they have actually, apnea? Yeah, actually I invented two of the oral, uh, oral appliances on the market. Really? So, huh. yeah. So, so why they're called the Oasis and Oasis hinge appliance. And, uh, it's the only appliance in the market that helps the nasal breathing. It's a nasal dilator and helps nasal resistance as well as, opens the back of the throat and retrains the tongue to get the throat stronger. So it has three components of action where all the other appliances just basically thrust the jaw forward to open the back of the throat. Oh, okay. Yeah. I pulled up a picture of it. Oh, wow. So, okay. If you don't mind just restating that. So 
most appliances will just thrust the lower jaw forward, but yours, in addition, me again, what it does? Yeah, in addition to that, it it, it opens the nose, uh, dilates the nose from inside the mouth. So I that I figured out a way to to do that to stretch the what's called the nasal valve open from inside the mouth, and huh. then it, it also has pads that go under the tongue into a space under the tongue, so you don't really feel it but it doesn't allow you to make a shortcut and be lazy with your throat. So it basically retrains your throat. We use it for kids for speech therapy and for um, tongue thrust patterns to re-educate uh, people to, to use their throat better, which is a common problem. Like people who lisp and kids who have speech problems, uh, we can correct that with the, this, those uh, pads that we, we target that uh, what I did is uh, basically with the nose and the throat is figure out to two good targets oh wow yeah okay so there's these pads that push from the inside of your mouth against uh an area of uh i guess in the mouth that's what at the upper part the upper front part of your mouth above and be uh behind the teeth yeah there's a you know the fold that you have uh from the kind of corner of your nose down to the corner of your lips that's called the nasal labial fold mm. and that crease there if you if you stretch both sides of that you'll feel it's easier to breathe through your nose if you just stretch them laterally huh. and that's what we do from inside the mouth and it drains there's there also happens to be acupuncture points that drain the nose so we drain the sinuses and help help people breathe through their nose easily wow all, all night long that's important because yeah I've, I've noticed like if my nose is stuffed up or sometimes it's just swollen um it kills my sleep it's horrible and yeah. it seems like it's a it's a big backup system for breathing right um, well if you if you think of the face um god what's the swimmer who won 20 some gold medals um michael phelps Phelps, yeah. So if you look at Phelps, um, Phelps uh, is never breathed through his nose in his life. In some ways, it's an advantage for a swimmer, but that's growth and development. You see, he has a very narrow. If you look at a picture of him, he's very narrow mid face, and uh, his um, uh, lips, his lower, his lips are always apart, you know, for where he's breathing through his mouth and people breathe through their mouth, their lower lip is really dry and crusty. They can never keep it moist. Um, and their throat is being battered all the time. Well, it turns out he's a great swimmer, but also he's recently reported that he has ADHD and he is, has anxiety and, and depression. And, um, you know, these are breathing dis, these come from breathing disorders. So, uh, you know, the way that we're using our face and our throat, you you don't like it because you're a nasal breather routinely. And if you had to breathe through your mouth, you you would hate you hate it. And so would I. Uh, but some people do it all the time and they don't realize that what it's doing to them and how that's affected them. So uh, breathing is critical with, with the way you breathe diaphragmatically. Um, I, I can send you a link to... Um, share with people of a talk I did for Stanford uh, for all the corporations here. It's called Stanford Corporate Partners uh, on the phys the research on stress and breathing and uh, how it affects. Okay. Uh, yeah. How it affects you. So it's a, a, a YouTube video that people can be uh, 
you can link them to. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind. Um, sounds like I definitely need to, uh, if you're willing, to have you back for the, uh, specifically for the oral appliance stuff, especially because you're the inventor of two kinds and, mm-hmm. and it's a lot more uh, complicated than, than I thought. Huh. Sure. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's very cool. Um, for now, what's the best way for people to find out more from you and to get in touch? Right. Well, um, well, my my office is in Redwood City, California. My website is, um, you know, we can get a link to my my website for my office. And then for the sleep apnea, um, you know, it's we we have a website called Oasis O A S Y S Sleep dot com, um, and we can get a link for that, which is about the you know the, the uh, sleep apnea devices. Okay. And we, our, our lab, if people are in different parts of the country, we can connect you with people who do with the, our appliances. Yeah, that's great. Well, if I, if I can, uh, I'll call you Dr. Mark, I guess, in, you know, this version of calling you your name. And uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Have a good day, everybody. You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40... I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials, or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you.